0: Welcome to Ball Watching, a St. Louis City SC podcast. This is our third episode, and as mentioned, towards the end of our second episode, this is going to be an interview with our special guest, Jim Cavanaugh, who is a part investor owner of St. Louis City SC. Uh, We did get to spend a a pretty significant amount of time with Jim, so we'll probably end up breaking this into multiple episodes, but this will be uh, the first part of our episode with Jim joining us on ball watching here today we are having jim cavanaugh as a guest he's part of the ownership group at st louis city sc jim is a st louis born and raised businessman philanthropist and former professional soccer athlete you may know him best as the ceo and co-founder of worldwide technology a 13 billion dollar information technology systems integrator he's also an investor owner for the st louis blues and before the arrival of st louis city sc he served as the chairman and founder for st louis fc which played in the United Soccer League, just one step down from the MLS. In the community, Jim currently serves on the board for St. Louis University and the Missouri chapter of CEOs Against Cancer, where he led a multi-million dollar capital campaign to enable the society to renovate and remodel Hope Lodge St. Louis, a free home away from home for patients and their caregivers. In the past, he has supported many local and national charitable organizations, such as the ALS Association, St. Baldrick's Foundation, Toys for Tots, Cardinal Glennon, St. Patrick Center, Junior Achievement, and United Way. Welcome to the podcast, Jim.
1: Thanks, it's great to be here, look forward to it.
0: It's good to have you. And like all things St. Louis, we've gotta get started on the right question with a little spin on it, but we're gonna ask you, where did you go to high school? And our little soccer spin is, where did you actually first play club ball in St. Louis? So we'll do high school first, and then we'll put our our soccer spin on it.
1: Uh, Yes, uh, Rosary High School, so I was a North County boy, enjoyed uh rosary we actually won a state championship there so it was a lot of fun oh yeah enjoyed it and then as far as uh club ball yeah that was yeah. next uh started with a narco which uh i'm not sure if you guys have played against them a little do bit they, do they exist though? going up i think we, they do we used to play against. i'm not yep. sure we yeah okay. yep. a couple of players yeah so uh played with narco uh through most of my younger and my high school career. And then when I was in college, I actually played for uh, Bush as uh, the club team. So right. those were, uh, you know, the, the teams that, uh, you know, pretty much ran a roost back in the day. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think
2: we'll we'll, uh, we'll touch on a little bit more on the uh, the collegiate career and thereafter, but if you were to describe yourself as a player back then and kind of through your career, how would you describe yourself? What position, style, and what did you like to play?
1: Yeah, well first of all I'd love <laughs> love playing, but uh I would say uh people would probably have described me as a bit of a grinder. Probably uh especially like growing up, more of a probably a player. Uh, I don't know, grinder and one probably most people didn't like playing against. <laughs> uh, so uh that was it, but I would say as I evolved, I I learned a lot. Uh and somehow you know, I'd say it's just like a lot of things, if you work hard enough you get better. So, uh I I think I've learned a lot and became more talented as I got older, more so like late high school, yeah. college. And so evolved as a player and then I would say also never kind of lost that grinder mentality, but uh I would say I was also viewed as played wing back most of the time, so as a okay. position, but was probably maybe a little bit I'm joking but a little bit ahead of my time because (laughs) I all I I loved attacking so so I would find myself getting in trouble a lot by the coach at times because uh I didn't enjoy I enjoyed defending but I enjoyed attacking too because I found that a lot of the forwards that were you were defending against they didn't like chasing you down so uh so anyway that was a style I was uh you know living back in the the glory days but, uh, <laughs> but it was it was fun love the game
0: describe for us Jim as a wingback we're not really assuming anything on this podcast we're trying to upskill and, and teach anyone who wants to know more about soccer and who's just excited to be a fan of this club in St. Louis what is a wingback what's the role of a wingback you said you're more of an attacker you felt more of an attacker yeah. but what traditionally do people think about when they hear wingback
1: well you know I, I would say first of all it's even today you, you look at a, a wingback back. That is different today than actually, I would say years ago. Yep. At least the way they look at the, I would say the preem- preeminent, you know, wing backs. Uh, that they look at them very much as attacking players. So you know they still have to play the role to make sure that they are very solid defenders mm-hmm. and 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 making sure they're taken care of. They call it their day job, right. which is to defend, but. I would say when you look at whether it's national teams or you're looking at uh, MLS or EPL, they're looking for players that can defend and can go forward. And I think wingback is a – I thought it was just a, a great position because it gave you that ability to attack and, and a lot of times with more freedom than call it a traditional forward who is a lot of times being marked much closer. Right. So it's, it's a fun position. You know, it, it, it requires a lot of a demanding, lot of, a lot yeah. of running <laughs> yeah. if you're if you're gonna be playing that role and you're you you enjoy attacking attacking. But you know, I I think today, you know, you look at a lot of the the top teams. That's what they want. They want those wingbacks to be attacking players and to create an edge for their for their team. So it's a fun position.
0: It is. It is. I feel like it's that role has grown in prominence in soccer probably since you started playing and. I feel like now, you know, there's a select few in the world that are the best at their trade, and they're in short supply. I mean, it'll be interesting to see who we actually end up signing in this position and what kind of formation we go at, because these guys are workhorses up and down the field, you know, in defense and also contributing on the attacking front.
2: Yeah, and kind of speaking, like Jake said, on workhorses, I know you mentioned yourself, kind of as a grinder, um, and you have a very impressive soccer uh, background and history, playing at SLU and then also for the Olympic team. Can you give us a little bit of background on how it was playing for the Olympic team and representing your country?
1: Yeah, it was an incredible honor. I mean, it was, you know, I've even thought about it at times. It wasn't like it was a goal or something I dreamed of because I never dreamt that that would ever happen. That wasn't. It just kind of happened uh, as I evolved as a player and got lucky that when, when I got lucky, I got a scholarship to SLU, and then SLU got a little better and, Somebody got hurt and they were having tryouts for the Olympic team and they're like the coach said, you know, you should be trying out and I'm like, Wow, never thought about it. He just like so inserted me in and tried out and the coach, you know, that was looking at for the Missouri players then advanced me to the Midwest and from the Midwest wow. advanced me you know, so it just evolved. But playing was uh it was something that I never really thought about. It didn't have it really even as a s aspiration, but I can tell you, you know, from the very beginning, going to my first tournament was in Seoul, South Korea, and then Ooh. you know, China, the Presidents That's Cup, a and uh, yeah. the Great Wall Cup, and literally playing over there when you you put the U.S. jersey on and you go out and they're playing the national anthem, and you know, it's 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 just a very unique you know experience and something I'll never forget. You know, traveling to probably thirty different countries playing you know, in front of different crowds, whether it's right. Central America and Honduras uh, against their national team and playing in these different cups against uh, a bunch of different players and different teams with, you know, a lot of really high-quality players uh, in the U.S. and around the world. Mm-hmm. So it was it was just a, a great experience to, to, to play with a lot of great players and against a lot of great players, but also to see the world. You know, being the son of a bricklayer that – Really wasn't traveling a whole lot uh, <laughs> around the world. No status, no airlines. airlines or? No, okay. No status. Yes, <laughs> and those international flights. Let me tell you, with the Olympic team, we were not in business or first class. Yeah, right. It right. was everybody piled on each other in the back of a plane going to you know China Unreal. or wherever. So, but uh, experiences and memories that I will never forget. And it's not just you know the great experience of as a player, and but it was as, as you mentioned having. Uh, The the USA on your jersey and being able to represent your country and and to do it that way, you know, uh, in different tournaments and Pan Am Games, et cetera, was Mm -hmm. uh, was an experience I'll never forget, and uh, you know, it's one I'll appreciate greatly for my entire life.
0: I'm sure it puts into perspective. When you're watching these national team games like today, I mean, not today, but when you're watching World Cup qualifying and looking forward to watching the World Cup, probably puts a little bit of a different perspective on how it feels to watch these games and to feel for these athletes and the ups and downs. It, it's got to be a little bit of a, uh, a nice kind of lens to put into the, the national team picture that most fans probably don't have that same sense. You've had that feeling.
1: Uh, no, it's it's... It It is a unique experience because uh, anybody that has played at different levels, you – I don't care what caliber player you are, there's always ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always situations where you can be playing really well and it's – you know, you're only as good as your last game. And when you're playing and you're playing with really good players and competitive players – You know, whether it's an Olympic team or it's a college team or professional team, you know, you have to be, I'd say, prepared to deal with injuries. You have to be prepared to deal with changing of coaches, coaching opinions that may not align to yours. Mm -hmm. Uh, But these are all, I think, life skills. If you can look at them that way, it's not always easy to look at them when you're in the middle of those situations. Uh, So I've always said, you know, don't get too high. When things are going really well, be careful to keep yourself uh, as grounded and in check. Uh, but at the same time, don't get too low. Also, when you run into a difficult time, because those difficult times really expose you to those challenging situations and really show what kind of character you have. Uh, so, it's a it's a lot of fun. But you know, for the as you mentioned, Jake, you know the players that are playing out there. There's a lot of pressure on you know on all yeah. of them trying to make the team. And then making the team, trying to be part of the starting right, 11. Right, right. Uh, so, uh, you know, they're all getting tested every day. And so it's a lot of fun, but uh, it, it can be stressful.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and the national team right now is full of a bunch of youth youthful players right now. A lot of our guys are mid-20s, some are you're in the teens. So they have a very long career ahead of them. And I know you had a long career um, that you played through. And like you said, a lot of the ups and downs. So what ultimately made you want to hang up the cleats? And how did you make that decision?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, soccer wasn't you know quite as developed, not even near as right. where it yep. is today. So you know there 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 was uh, an NASL outdoor league when I was playing for the Olympic team in college, and then that kind of went defunct, and that was like the New York Cosmos, and Pele had some playing, Giorgio Canelia and a whole bunch of Cabanas, and a lot of players, and even with the Olympic team, I had a good. I had the pleasure of actually playing against the team. Actually, Franz Beckenbauer was the Incredible. sweeper. Back when He had a sweeper that when we played a, a practice game against us, some of them, and Johan Nischkens was part of that yep. team. Uh, so a lot of great, great experiences looking there, but it was a very different game. And so when I came out of college, they didn't have the outdoor league. They had the indoor league and got drafted to, to go out to L.A., Played out there, which was great uh, and a lot of fun, great experience uh, of different players that I've played with. And, and then uh, getting traded back to St. Louis, unfortunately, back then, the team I was on actually went bankrupt, you know, so I was talking to some other coaches at that time about going and playing, and I really just sat back and thought about it. I'm like, unfortunately, I, I was just, I could probably play for another six, seven, eight years. But at that point there wasn't a, a whole lot of money yeah, in the game right. and it wasn't like I was just playing for the money, but I'm like, okay, now I'm going to be seven or eight years out uh, with no real work experience. And I just figured it's probably time that I get, I go try something else. And, and so, you know, I look back at that time and I'm like, do I regret that? And i um, I'm like, you know, you always like. Oh, I said, I could have gone and played here. And I'm like, but no, I don't regret it. I I think it was the right decision for me at that time. Now, it's, re- it's
0: revisionist history. I feel like at that point, it's knowing the infrastructure that existed in that day and age in the U.S. You almost would probably would have had to go abroad to continue playing professionally and see what opportunities lie over there. But I think the decision you made paid paid off for yeah, you. I think you right like to it. say that. Not, not doing too bad. You're <laughs> I'm all right with
1: it. So, <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: So, okay, you hang up the cleats. You've you've had a professional career already. You've played collegiately at SLU. You have a whole background in soccer. From those experiences, you know, playing growing up in St. Louis and playing the game of soccer, how did that translate into business, into technology? What kind of values or lessons did you take from your playing career into your new career in, in business and tech?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot that I have learned from uh, from playing soccer. You know, we talked about earlier that you know a lot of people look at it. You know, I would say professional athletes and different athletes, uh, even at the collegiate level. You know, it's like, oh God, it's great. You know, it's fun, but you know, there's there are some. There's a lot of highs and lows playing and uh, dealing with those. Uh, I think you know help you deal with the the challenges of of life just just in general. So so I. I I think, you know, I look at the things that I believe that that really help teams win, you know, and it's, you know, some traits that you you learn, you know, work ethic. You just, I I don't care what it is you're going to do that get, you know, get into your head at an early age that, you know the the grit and determination and work ethic is a good thing. Don't run from it, run to it. Mm-hmm. And so things like that, being a team player and and truly being supportive and of of your your teammates uh, when times are good and times are are bad. And you know those those types of values and characteristics, I think that you you can learn as a player. Uh, I would also you know just say learn to take constructive input. You know that as an individual, that's how you get better as a player. Same thing applies in business. You know, you're always trying to learn. So as a player, you're always, you should always be pushing yourself to, to get better and to learn. Same thing applies in business. Today, you know, I've been in business for a long time and I'm always looking to learn. And, you, and it's amazing. You can learn from a lot of different people uh, it's not just people that you know have a certain title right. or a certain experience. Right. So, I think those characteristics that you know can be applied at a young age in sports. Uh, you can definitely take those you know into your life and to 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 your business. You just have to think about them. You know, think about how how you're going to incorporate them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Should we hop into some some city questions?
1: Yeah. I can kind of take us there. So, we're going to throw us back a little bit,
2: back to April 2017. Not, April, not 2017. a great 2017. <laughs> the vote on Prop 2 to approve the public funding for the stadium and bringing the team to St. Louis uh, unfortunately failed, as we all know, uh, with a 47 to 30 to 53 percent vote. What was your initial reaction? And kind of, I know you've already talked about bouncing back and working through the ups and downs and tribulations and different things. What was like I said, your initial reaction, what was your plan after that to really say, Hey, I'm still going to try to bring this team to San Jose.
1: I just cried a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, no, (laughs) everybody cried. Yes. yes. Uh, uh, No, I, you know, I was obviously very disappointed uh, at the vote because I thought we had a, thought we had a lot of supporters and we did have a lot of supporters. It just didn't come out. And, the way that we, uh, we wanted it to, obviously. And to a certain degree, I'm not sure that everybody even voted completely understood what the tax and right. the structure yep. really meant. So yep. without going back, you know, things happen. And you know, like I said, yes, I was disappointed. But, you know, there's been a lot of things in life and in business that happen that disappoint you. And it was one that I'm like, okay, well, got to move on you know, and at that point I told people, I said, there is not a contingency plan. A lot of people thought there was a contingency right, plan. Right. There just wasn't. And, uh, you know, it was just something I'm just, dis- I was disappointed, you know, for what we were doing, but I was really disappointed for St. Louis because mm-hmm. I really felt that St. Louis needed this team. And, uh, I thought this would be great for the community. And so for, it not happening, you know. It, it was it was a disappointment, but you got to move on.
0: What a shame! I mean, I remember, you know, we were still in college. We were at SLU. I know Justin and I are running around to our friends, trying to campaign, get them all out to register to vote first, yeah. and then go to their local uh, election site and be able to cast their ballot for Prop Two. Yes, on Prop Two, I remember. And the news that night that came in was just devastating. And for anyone that has a soccer background, which is a lot of people in St. Louis. I had basically at that point kind of written our chances off. I didn't really think we had a chance after that. Sitting here today, it's almost surreal after the aftermath of what happened in 2017. And then now it's 2022. And we're looking at a team starting up play in March of 23. How does it feel to be involved in both those efforts? I mean, it's gotta be an incredible feeling to finally see it come around, see the city come around. And now it's starting to actually take place.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, It's very rewarding uh, to go back and just see, you know, being part of soccer in St. Louis for so many years, like you said, going way back in as a kid growing up and playing and playing here in college and, you know, all the other things that that we've talked about. Uh, I just think St. Louis deserves a team. You know, St. Louis, again, a lot of people – you know look at it we are the capital you can of can yeah you can <laughs> say it, <laughs> it it's that's safe enough. here it's safe here so uh yeah we're in a safe <laughs> yeah. so, uh, yes uh but uh i do think you know just just looking at you know moving this forward and again having a, a great partner and the, the taylor family and everything that's going on personally i wasn't a hundred percent sure Just how the reaction and the overall support would be, you know, just when you look at really people buying tickets and suites Mm -hmm. and getting behind us and sponsorships in the community. It's been off the charts. I mean, just actually much better than I ever thought, thought it would be. And the excitement is just continuing to build. So. It's a great time, and it's going to be great, I think, for our city and the community yeah. and uh, just uh, all the passionate soccer fans, too. I think this is going to oh, create sure. an experience, as you guys know, uh, that I think is going to be one of the hottest tickets uh, in St. Louis. Yeah,
2: we're giddy. Yeah. We're, we're pretty excited. I think every game is going to be pretty exciting for all the fans, and I think, like you said, everybody's extremely happy um, that you are able to kind of push this through. And kind of circling back to that point, with the failed attempt on the prop two in 2017, I know you mentioned Carolyn and the Taylor family. So the new financing there was there anything else that kind of helped bring this into St. Louis, or anything else pos- positively or negatively that you would kind of? Yeah, suggest what was at that different? Time?
0: What was different about this outside of you know Carolyn and the Taylor family and the new financing? Obviously, no public funding on this. What anything else come to your mind when you think about what else put this over the line finally? You know
1: that. Those are primarily the, the, the biggest differences. And those are pretty significant differences. I, I, I will have to say even going back working through the first, you know, go at it, uh, didn't realize even with MLS. And if you look at it, a lot of teams, whether it's not just MLS teams, but sports teams, it really does help to have the ownership being local and, you know, rooted in the community, uh, because you know you do, you see teams move and you see different right. things happen. Right. So, uh, you know, having the Taylor family involved and you know their commitment to St. Louis and the community, uh, you know, is is just a incredible you know compliment and addition to to what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And and so you look at that, and then it's you know the the approach. I mean, these are they look like well, they're a couple small things. They're they're actually very significant things. And you look at going at it without, you know, any type of uh tax or, you know, vote required right. that's a yep. big deal building the stadium, mm-hmm. you know, through private funding and bringing the team in. You know, those are all real, you know, they 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 may not look like they're that big, but they're they're very very uh big deals and they're and they're significantly different you know than the the prior approach you know both uh, right. I would say quality great people but those that's it's a it's a different approach and uh, and didn't realize you know how much the league really you know they'll they'll they give flexibility but you know they would much rather have dedicated rooted ownership you know in the cities that are really right. committed there for long term
0: yeah and you mentioned the league I, I do feel like the MLS did want to put a a franchise here at some point. They wanted to be able to have St. Louis as a city in the MLS. It just sounds like we couldn't come up with the right pieces at the right times to be able to assemble that. Like for example, 2017, but maybe this was, you know, the last thing we needed and adding, you know, the Taylor family and Carolyn, and then um, obviously moving into private funding for the stadium. But It's great that it all came together. You mentioned STL Made and STL kind of rooted uh, ownership group too. We talked about that a lot in episode one and kind of giving some background as to yourself and and the Taylor family. But uh, incredible to have an ownership group so committed to the city even before the club arrives here. I don't know of many other ownership groups in the MLS, uh, much less in other sports in the United States that have demonstrated this level of commitment to the city uh, and, and are committed to doing even more. I feel like city is a very community oriented club and we'll, we'll kind of get into that that too. But to talk about the topic that uh, I feel like has been top of everyone's mind for the last two and a half years now, uh, the pandemic. I, I don't know if, 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 if <laughs> no, you're too, if it. you're too familiar, <laughs> uh, we're gonna focus a little bit on how that impacted the club. So we obviously know that we put off play by over a year to do this we're going to play start play in the 2023 season. Outside of that, how how do you think the pandemic impacted the club and your guys's plan?
1: You know, not not significantly. Okay. Uh I would say we're we're actually fortunate not to have a team playing mm-hmm. during, yep. you know, the the pandemic. Uh and you know, because of some of the supply chain things, we we decided, you know, to to really push off, you know, the starting you know, until twenty three, uh, which I think was a wise decision because just like building buildings for your for your business or your company and building a stadium, it always seems like it's inevitable that whatever you're building, you're rushed. You know, at the right. end, and right. you're you're doing some unnatural things, and you're not necessarily creating the optimal call it employee or fan experience because you're trying to actually do a lot of the finishing touches while the game is being played right. and while things are happening. Right. So I think to push it back, especially with all the supply chain challenges that were going on and, and really the unknowns just in regards to construction crews and what is COVID going to do, uh, was the right decision and will put us in a position to to really open up, you know, day one with just yeah. a killer experience, you know, that that I think people are just going to – absolutely uh enjoy the heck out of
0: something else I wanted to add to that timing too is so the pandemic pushes you off to 23 23 March April for the first home game at least now you've got a World Cup for the first time ever in November right over Thanksgiving brushing right up before Christmas how do you think that timing plays into your favor I, I would think it's favorable to kind of piggyback off of all the success and all the hype around the World Cup. Maybe it's a little bit different because it's at a different time of the year and it's competing with other major sports like the NFL that are kind of getting to, to go time as well. How, how do you feel about that? Is that a, a prospect that you guys are excited about to kind of capture that, the mind of most fans that are more casual, I would say?
1: I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be a, anytime, you know, the World Cup is, is happening, I think there's always a buzz you know, especially for uh, passionate soccer fans oh, yeah. that, are, that are tracking it. So I don't see this being any different, other than, like you mentioned, Jake, that it's at a different time of the year normally mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. Zen Cutter and, you know, yeah. the, the, the heat and everything. But, uh, but overall, with, you know, the MLS season 23 opening up a couple of months right after the World Cup, I think it's going to be, it's just going to create a lot more energy. Uh, for the game of soccer globally yeah. and for uh MLS here in so. North America. So I, I, I think it's gonna be great. And then, you know, you're gonna have a lot of people already thinking about uh the twenty twenty six World Cup oh yeah here in the yeah, US and North yeah. America. Yeah. Yep. So that's yep. gonna be uh that's gonna be another, I think, uh just inflection point uh for soccer in the US mm-hmm. uh like it was in ninety four. Oh yeah I think it's going to be even more impactful uh, when, in, you know, the next round in 26.
0: People forget about the MLS origins. Uh, the MLS probably wouldn't be here or maybe it would have been here later if not for what happened at the 94 World Cup. Yep. I, they took a lot of that success and just dovetailed into creating our own domestic league and really doing it right. So that's, a. I mean, the 94 World Cup is has a pretty heavy hand to play in, in what came of the MLS. So we would, many wouldn't be here today. Uh, without that. No, you're right.
1: A lot of lessons learned uh, from that too. Just, you know, you know, you think about the early early days of the MLS, you try to really in- incorporate or jam into, you yeah. know, MLS into football stadiums. It just didn't work. <laughs> nope. You know, it became a, a very cavernous, you know, environment there. So now you mm-hmm. look at uh, the majority of the, the stadiums here with MLS are soccer-centric stadiums that, you know, the fans are right on top of them and it just creates that, that environment. And, you know, it's so I would say hats off to to Don Garber and his entire team uh, and really the founding owners of the league that have learned a lot and really the pioneers of the league. But uh, the, I think the league is definitely at a different level and, and has a lot of room to rise, you know, as as a, as a really Agreed. solid, yeah. you know, global league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we kind of talked about already how much uh,
2: the MLS has grown and the, the amount of fans that we have in St. Louis. And obviously we talked about it a little bit on our first or second episode, how we did season tickets of three or four times the amount of seats that we're actually going to have in the stadium um, and obviously just not too long ago, they're starting to put the actual seats in. So it's starting to feel a little bit more real. Getting a
0: little nervous over here. We haven't gotten <laughs> the is... call yet, but uh, <laughs> but hopefully it comes. Yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> so I think with
2: all those people looking forward to having their season tickets and hopefully getting the call to actually make that selection coming up, is there anything that you can give us a glimpse on um, when looking at the stadium that you talked about, how now they've had a little bit more time with COVID to really focus on making that experience that much more special for the fans Is there anything that uh, is is going to be specific to St. Louis or anything you'd like
1: to touch on for the stadium? You know, I think there's going to be a lot that's specific to St. Louis. You know, just connecting things and I would say kind of trying to create cultural neighborhoods, you know, within the the stadium that uh, will make people feel like, you know, it's really their home. Uh, And then looking at bringing everything from some of the cultural cuisine of St. Louis, uh different oh, food yeah, that's yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah yep. that's yep. gonna be uh it's gonna be there and uh different international craft beer and different different things that uh I think uh gonna make the is gonna make the, the the, game day experience and just the overall engagement, fan engagement, uh a special special place. I and so it's it's gonna be fun and I, I, I think also part of it it is something that we will learn on and iterate on as you know we get input and and again hats off to carolyn and the entire uh team that's working day in and day out to connect with our fan base with you know the supporter groups and to make sure that we're taking their ideas and and incorporating them into the stadium design and into the fan experience that that is going to take place so so I think there's going to be a lot of St. Louis uh, that's going to be built into the stadium, any experience.
0: And and we got a we got a late fan question today uh from Chris, no no last name Chris, but uh he wanted to know about okay, we've landed this MLS franchise. We're going to start playing in 2023. We're building this state-of-the-art stadium. Everyone's really excited. Have you or anyone in the ownership group or anyone within the club discussed the aspect of potentially Bringing in like an NWSL franchise at some point—is that like a natural stepping stone, or is that something that's just kind of a separate effort?
1: You know, there's there's some thought, you know, to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, my my response uh, is, you know, we, we need to take care of yep. things first. Right. <laughs> we've <got laughs> right. Stadium, we've got a, a team here that still going out and you know finding players and building that team and finishing the stadium. So I would say. Let's get this uh, this piece of yeah, it, and get the infrastructure in place, yeah. practice fields, yeah. uh, academy programs, MLS next, mm-hmm. and all that, and then uh, we can think about some of the additional. Yeah, don't don't bite off
0: more than you can chew. <laughs> I I totally <laughs> already get that. taken a big
2: step <laughs> since 2017. Uh, yeah, right. Get one season underneath our belts.
0: It's looking like it's gonna go off with a boom i mean i i feel all the excitement generator on the club and we're still just under a year out from our first our first mls game obviously city two has has begun play and that they've been captivating a lot of people and um selling out herman and and traveling and actually having a pretty solid start to the season how how do you as an ownership group or as a fan of the club how, how do you sustain that interest you know obviously justin talked about tickets you guys got three, four times the amount that you could probably even a lot for. I mean, obviously that that's great. How do you, you know, looking down the road? I guess a couple of years after our first season, how do you guys, you know, generate interest and keep that going? Or do you think you have a problem in St. Louis?
1: You know, there's there's a, I would say there's a, there's a responsibility to the to the team and to all teams to you know to do the best job you can to put a high quality team on the field and to create a level of, you know, competition and actually, you know, be aiming for that championship, you know, every of year. Yep. So, you know, that is the that is the vision and the mission of the club and that's what I know Carolyn's focused mm-hmm. on. I'm focused on and everybody mm-hmm. loots and you know a coach and everyone is to to put that on the field uh you know you just don't know until the first game gets underway yeah. and you start working through that and again being a you know a new team it it takes a little time to get things to gel but you never you never know you know there's teams that come out hot you know right, right. out of the shoot right. we've had atlanta and and some different teams mm-hmm. uh so Overall, I think you've you've got to look at it as this is a long-term commitment and, you know, you need to continue to build on that. Uh, And you need to to do the right things on behalf of the fan base and, you know, all your supporters so that they do support you because – you know, like anything we've talked about, you're going to have tough times. Oh, yeah. You know, it's almost guaranteed. I'd love to say no. We're going to be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> running for that championship every year, which would be great, and that will be what we're shooting for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you also got to, you know, be realistic that, you know, there can be some challenging times. But overall, I think, uh, to your point, I think we're going to have a great Fan base and supporter group that's going to be behind the team, but that doesn't mean they're going to be very demanding too. And <laughs> and I'm sure there's going to be critiquing, you know, going on from a lot of different uh, people uh, every Monday morning. So yeah, I would imagine <laughs> Not, none from us. Yeah, never, right. ever, never, <laughs> <I know. ever. laughs> nothing but no, no, support. You'll never hear it. Correct.
2: Right. right. Yeah, but it seems like Jake said we've already had a pretty strong start from City too. And I know, uh, like you mentioned, Lutz uh, has done a couple of signings for us that has gotten people really excited. Roman Berkey. and some other guys, we've really just kind of built out the spine of the team. Is there any more insight that you have on signings upcoming or anything on Lutz? Um, A lot of his background, I know he was just announcing um, a Bayern game over in Germany wearing the St. Louis City pin. Um, So it's pretty cool to start to see that all the way over there.
1: So is there anything else that you could touch on for us? I would just say, you know, without giving any specific uh, insights on it, there's, you know, as you guys know, there's just a lot going on. There's a lot going on relative to everything from the academy teams, the city to So, you know, building out that entire, you know, I would say cascading infrastructure to, you know, f- fielding and building out the, the balance of, you know, our first team uh, along with the stadium. And, you know, but you bring all those things together, our practice fields being down adjacent to the stadium, which mm-hmm. is yep. just a unique yep. environment to just about any club in the U.S. and over in Europe. You go to most, you know, stadiums don't have their practice fields and their training facilities and their academy teams practicing, you know, you know right by the, the professional teams uh, or have them all located in the downtown, you know, in the downtown yep. area next to the stadium. So all of those things are, are being worked and just uh, a lot of exciting things that uh, I think are going to continue to be rolled out and announced uh, that's going to continue to build on the fever that's uh, being built. So
0: it is a fever. It is a fever. I I know we're, we're both very excited. One, one thing we wanted to get into on your role as an owner, I think just as a fan and I love sports, I watch, I'd say mostly like the blues, the Cardinals, and I support EPL. I I watch Arsenal a lot. I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you what, an owner truly does or what's in that job description. And, and so we have a question here for you, and that is, I feel like this is kind of a business question, but if you were to describe what you do to your mom, for example, how would you describe your role as an owner at at St. Louis City SC?
1: Yeah, I, I would say, you know, the the position... You know, there's a lot of different positions as mm-hmm. an owner. So you can be a very active owner. You can be a passive owner. You can be in Jerry so, Jones, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so I would I would look at like uh, Carolyn is you know a very active owner, mm-hmm. obviously being the the CEO of the the organization. Uh, myself more of a passive owner, uh, being an investor owner. Uh, And, you know, there can be different things that that I'll provide input on, but it's not my day-to-day, you know, that's not what I'm doing. I may be thinking about things relative to what's going on with the club, uh, but, you know, there's – so there's different roles. uh, And you look at – there's some ownership groups that could have 12 or 15 different people at different cascading levels of ownership – I would say we have a a bit of a tighter ownership group uh, here, and I think it's a it's a very complimentary one, especially like I said with uh, you know the, the the history that we collectively mm-hmm. have here in St. Louis and what we're doing with you know enterprise and worldwide and 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 all this. So so uh, I, that, that's the best way I could describe it. It doesn't uh, change. I would say the the excitement and the the passion that I have for the game and uh when when the first game kicks off it's it's going to be incredibly exciting and and you know exciting and rewarding just to see you know the the passion of all the supporters and the fans and the impact it's going to have on a community so it's going to be awesome
0: rewarding is a is a i think i was going to say right before you said it but just for someone that's been there kind of at the ground floor, I know we talked to you a couple weeks ago, but you know this effort for the MLS has roots you know dating back you know 10, 15 years and to finally hit the ground on 2023 and be in the stands when that first ball is kicked at your home stadium in St. Louis downtown in the city where people probably didn't think that was going to work out I would imagine rewarding is probably the best word to, to choose as as an owner of that team
1: yeah it, no no question about it. And uh, I would say just, you know, proud of the entire, you know, not, not the entire ownership group, but, you know, very much so everybody that has gotten behind it, like mm-hmm. you guys getting behind it. And there's just a lot of people putting a lot of time and effort into supporting this club and what what we're collectively doing. So, uh, you know, that's something I think we're also very appreciative of. Of that, and it's and it's fun to see. There's just things like this that have evolved that you don't think about that that happen and and you know create a lot of uh, relationships too. You know that uh, even with St. Louis FC, you know the, some of the groups and the passionate right. supporters right. that now have you know moved and are supporting uh, St. Yeah. Louis City. Uh, you see a lot of great individuals that uh, you would have never met never known you mm-hmm. know if you didn't you know go through and do some of these things
2: and that was our first part with jim cavanaugh i want to thank him very much for coming on and taking the time to spend with us uh, to talk through everything st louis city sc soccer um, as always please like subscribe review send us all your feedback that you can Um, at ballwatchingSTL. Those are our handles on Twitter and Instagram. And we'll see you guys next time on May 23rd, the fourth episode of our podcast. Thanks for listening.